You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Karen Gibis, and I am here with the talented and uh, football coach, Brett Ucker. <laughs> yep, yep. Is that close enough for now? Uh, close enough. Also director of evangelization. My first, my first job is my job with God, so... I was going to say, I was going to also follow that up. I don't know if this steals my thunder or not, but his most important role is husband and father. Very true. So, yes. So, anyway, we are here at the Mustard Seed in Rapid City in the new Chancery Building, as you just heard Mm -hmm. in the the radio spot prior to us coming back. We always like to thank the Mustard Seed for their generous uh, sponsorship of Real Presence Radio and also allowing us to come in here. And use their beautiful store when no one else is here. Yes. And they got the great aroma right behind us with hey, the we're coffee. S- we're sitting by Mrs. the coffee. Monk coffee right behind us. So. so come on into the Mustard Seed in either Sioux Falls or Rapid City and tell them thank you for supporting Real Presence Radio. Well, we are on to our next interview. Yes. Uh, we want to say good morning to David Naglieri. Good morning, David. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be with you. Yeah, we're super excited. Now, uh, David is the writer and director of a new documentary that just came out um, through the Knights of Columbus called Enduring Faith, the Story of Native American Catholicism. Uh, been able to see a little of the bit of the promos and stuff, and it looks uh, a super captivating story and a, beauty, a beautiful talk about uh, reconciliation. But first off, before we uh, really get too far into uh, this new documentary, tell us a little about yourself, David. Yeah, so I've been the uh, director of film and digital media for the Knights of Columbus for the past 10 years, and uh, very proud to work for the Knights. It's a great organization that's uh, supported me in producing a lot of documentary films. So I'm primarily a documentary filmmaker, but also oversee all video productions for the Supreme Council of the Knights of Columbus. And uh, what we've done in recent years is, is produce a lot of films that coincide, kind of um, align with a core mission of the Knights of Columbus, evangelization and and um, and spreading the faith, right? And so we've done documentaries about John Paul II, his role in the fall of communism, about Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, about uh, the Divine Mercy devotion, St. Faustina. And uh, so I'm a filmmaker working for the Knights of Columbus and uh, married three children living in Connecticut and, uh, and trying to, you know, serve the Lord in the same way you guys do. Oh, that is absolutely amazing. I have seen some of your documentaries. I have to say the Father McGivney one was, I can't wait till my boys can see it. I'm hoping it'll encourage vocations, you know, the, the service um, to the Lord through constant giving and not really, I guess, focusing on yourself, which is what I saw in that documentary. But this this documentary that the Enduring Faith, can you tell us, just a little bit about it, just enough to tease us about it, and then we'll get more into it, you know, as as we uh, explore the story behind it. Yeah, sure. So, you know, the film tells really the story of, of Native American Catholics. I think oftentimes, uh, you know, in, in America, we, we think of Catholicism as that immigration story, so the Irish potato immigrants, potato famine immigrants, and then the huge numbers of Italians and Poles and others that came over, and that's kind of a that ethnic Catholic experience, when in reality, the history of Catholicism in our country goes back centuries uh, to the 16th century with uh, the conversion of many Native American tribes. And this rich history of Native American Catholicism has really gone unnoticed and unknown, and is usually not taught in school. And so the Knights of Columbus wanted to um, kind of 
tell the untold story of a, of a critical part of this kind of tapestry, this mosaic of American Catholicism, and share stories and the history of uh, of this this rich faith um, that exists in, in for many of us a world we don't know. Um, these Native American reservations and these tribes who who share the same belief and love in Jesus um, in their own unique way, and um, that that was kind of the mission of the film and why we set out to produce it. Well, it's amazing, and I think it really hits a hits a high note in regards to that element of uh, this is not something that's usually actually taught or talked about. Uh, I was a teacher for 11 years, and I taught social studies, um, and I will be very uh, blunt and honest, never would you have found most of this story in uh, most textbooks or even within most curriculum. So I think it's a really beautiful story uh, to be able to kind of show us uh, the beauty of the Native American culture and how uh, they play a very fundamental piece in regards to the spread of the faith throughout uh, the entirety of the Americas. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I myself learned a lot from this experience. I went to my first reservation um, involved in this project in uh, the fall of 2019, went to the Pine Ridge Reservation, which is a huge mm-hmm. reservation of the Lakota Sioux in South Dakota. And it's the area basically the size of Connecticut and Delaware in the state, in, in the state of, 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 uh, of uh, South Dakota. Um, and I was just shocked because, you know, I've, I have a, a degree in history, um, and I thought I knew a lot about the Catholic Church, about, uh, about my country, and I really had no idea this place existed of this size and just a totally a different world and it, you know, tremendous obstacles in terms of quality of living and disease, malnutrition, poverty, you know, a lot of issues and social justice issues that are related to these, um, life on these, on, on these reservations, but also a very rich faith I had a chance to attend Mass there and got to see, um, you know, this, this faith and this um, legacy that they pass on to their children as well, and their unique style of the Catholic faith as well, because there's different elements that they incorporate of their culture into the liturgy as well. And it's quite all quite fascinating. And uh, so for me, it was eye-opening to realize how little I knew and, um, and for, I think, also Carl Anderson, who was a Supreme Knight at the time who commissioned the film, he was very passionate about raising awareness, increasing the level of knowledge, because I think as we try to build bridges and build better relations with our Native American brothers, you know, part of it is education and understanding their background, understanding where they've been, the sufferings that they've gone through, the challenges, because especially part of the Native American Catholic experience has also been an experience of suffering. Um, and that comes through in the film as well. But I think the, the end goal is, um, you know, creating that understanding, that knowledge, and in the hopes that something will come out of that, some fruit will be born. And I think the hope is, um, you know, increasing the level of brotherhood and love and respect um, in our Catholic uh, community. Well, here in Western South Dakota, we have been blessed with the story of Nicholas Black Elk. And so recently, we have had this exposure to our Native American brothers and their, their deep devotion to the Catholic faith and and the way that they do share it with their the next generations and the story of the two paths and all the the beauty that comes with this. But that is a unique situation. The fact that we had such a holy man here in Western South Dakota that we can we can use as an example. Most of the country doesn't have this type of, uh, I guess, example of, of someone right off the reservation that they can use. So what might not these... Uh, our listeners here in 
in our five-state region, but also across the country, what might they not know about the early church and the native culture? Because like, there's, there's so many um, falsehoods that are spread in social media, or so many people throw up their hands, oh, the Catholic Church was so horrible back then. And, and you know, it, it was just, I would look at it and say, how much truth are in that statement, and how much are they missing of the beauty of which the Native American culture has been able to take the Catholic faith and integrate it into their lives. There's got to be a lot that we don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the traps you can fall in in this space of Native American studies would be to fall into this trap of attacking the evangelizers, attacking the missionaries. And I think one model we can follow in that line is Pope Francis, who in some of his travels and in some of, some of his talks has very clearly the abuses of colonialism, because there's definitely clear abuses and violations, but also praising the missionaries, praising men that we, we talk about in our film, like uh, St. Eusebio Kaino, uh, St. Junipero Serra, these heroic missionaries who sacrificed their lives and gave it their lives to, um, to, to bring the faith to the Native American peoples. And sadly, as we saw play out last year, mostly in the state of California, we saw statues of Junipero Serra being torn down, uh, being defaced, um, and, and I think, you know, if you watch our film, we actually did another documentary more specifically about Unipro Serra. You learned that, in fact, Unipro Serra loved the Native people, that he defended the Native Americans from the abuse, abuses of the, of the colonizers. And, in fact, he was the one who, by foot, walked from somewhere in the midway point of California to Mexico to lobby to the colonial government to defend the Native Americans and actually formed the first, what we call the Native American Bill of Rights, to establish rights and protect them. Um, and these things are just not known, and these things are not taught. And so they're taught, and so you kind of have to develop these caricatures of the missionaries that they were all abusive and not respecting Native American traditions. And in fact, they were defenders of the Native Americans, um, and they and they tried to respect their traditions and incorporate them where possible. And through this kind of um, enculturation, and John Paul II has talked about Our Lady of Guadalupe as this model of enculturation. And so we talked about in the film as well the impact of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which we, as we know, spread a huge. Um, that created mass conversions in Mexico and also had an influence on the Spanish missionaries who would come up. Um, another component of this is the black legend. So we, back in the 16th, 17th, 18th, you developed all these ideas that the Spanish missionaries were so horrible and they were mistreating all the natives. And a lot of that we now know is propaganda. Um, and it was inspired by the British, uh, the Dutch, and it was more politically based as they tried to weaken their Spanish rival. In fact, we see actually much worse treatment by the, you know, Protestant, uh, British, and Dutch of Native Americans than of the, uh, of the Spanish, which had outlawed uh, slavery shortly after the time of Columbus. So, um, so you know, it's very, the whole idea of history and um, blame, blame, and how we see our missionaries and the efforts of evangelization, that's a very critical one, especially in the current environment. And so our film, yes, explains the history of Native American Catholicism, um, explains their suffering, but it also, I think, is an affirmation of the efforts of, of all the missionaries who gave their lives and sacrifice. Well, that is, um, you know, I, I homeschool my kids, and I have the unique opportunity of picking my homeschool curriculum, and there are stories in there which portray exactly what you're saying, and I know that that's a gift to my kids, but not everybody has that. So this documentary is going to be a blessing to anyone who has the opportunity to watch it. But 
We are going to take a break, but when we come back, I'd like to hear, you know, who, like, which reservations you went to and, and some of the people in which you uh, used, utilized to make this documentary. And, of course, we'll give people information on how they can actually view the film because, you know, let's talk about it, but we actually got to give them the meat and potatoes on how to see it. So. But if you um, can stay with us here on Real Presence Live, we will be right back after the break. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together toward success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. heartbeat. The world can change in a heartbeat. Life can change in a heartbeat. Life can end in a heartbeat. With every beat of my heart, another heart stops beating. The crushing reality? That heartbeat belongs to a baby. It has been purposefully silenced somewhere in this world, forever. While my heartbeat signifies life, It has also become the death knell by which I count the loss of babies all over the world, one for every beat of my heart. My heart can't take it. I have to speak life. Written by Alison Updahl. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Well, good morning once again. This is Brett Eckert, along with my co-host Karen Kibis, uh, talking with David Naglieri, uh, writer and director of a new documentary from the Knights of Columbus, Enduring Faith, um, the story of Native American Catholicism. And, and uh, we were talking during the break in regards to uh, the beauty of, as da- David said, uh, like Uniparacer, just the beauty of how these individuals were within these communities spreading the love of Christ um, and being advocates for those who are outcasts and downtrodden. Uh, And I think it really hits on the element of the Knights of Columbus focus on evangelization as as we're all called to uh, evangelize, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to all those around us. And I think it's a beautiful documentary to help us see um, how living out our faith um, within these times and with how within the Native American culture 
sure how living out that faith is so important and how it can transform lives and transform hearts and transform uh, truly transform the world. So uh, once again, thank you, David Neglieri, for coming on uh, and speaking with us today. Um, so within this documentary, uh, what, whose stories, what are the stories that uh, are kind of told within this documentary? Yeah, well, we tried to highlight, I mean, the, the, the documentary tried to highlight a lot of different topics. So obviously we're talking a very broad history, four to 500 years. We tried to focus on each region of the country and the main tribe. So you have, obviously, Iroquois in the northeast, and then you have the Lakota Sioux in your region of the country. We traveled to um, Arizona as well, uh, where there's the, uh, the uh, Tohono O'odham tribe and the San Xavier Indian Reservation. And um, we also tra- traveled up to the northwest, where you have the, the Maliseet and the Ottawa uh, Padawatami tribe. So we tried to, even in Canada, we traveled as well. So we tried to get as much as we can a geographic uh, and cultural breadth of the Native American experience. Um, and in each place we went, invariably, you meet, you know, you find really powerful stories. Now, one of them you already alluded to in your neck of the woods, and, and that's Black Elk. And I was really inspired by his story. I knew very little about him. And for your listeners, of course, um, for those who don't know a lot about his story, he, he was uh, Lakota Sioux. He was a young boy at the Battle of Little Bighorn with Custer. And he was about 11 or 12 years old at the time. Um, he was there during the Wounded Knee Massacre, when several hundred Native American men, women, children were brutally slaughtered by U.S. soldiers. Um, he lived through the Dawes allotment. He lived through the different um, government seizures of land and all the sufferings that the Native Americans did experience. And uh, But despite all of that, he emerges with a very sincere and powerful conversion, uh, becomes a catechist becomes an evangelizer, a preacher. I believe he converted about 400 people in his native tribe there in Pine Ridge. Um, and today um, there's a you know cause for beatification going forward for Nicholas Black Elk. And so, you know, I had a chance to visit his grave site, to visit also the site of the Wounded Knee Massacre, which he lived through. And um, one thing that really convicted me was just the, um, the element of humility, forgiveness, and mercy that's baked into this whole story because part of the Native American experience is tremendous suffering. Um, there were great mistakes made, um, things like the school, residential school systems, which tried to strip, take the Indian out of, out of the, the child, so taking them from their parents, not letting them use their language, stripping their identity and their culture, and those were mistakes that the Church has owned up to. And there's also the mistakes by the, federal, by the U.S. government in terms of uh, dishonesty with treaties, um, and, and, and outright abuses, a lot like the Wounded Massacre I mentioned. So you have this history of some injust- of tremendous injustice, tremendous suffering and grievance, um, yet individuals like Nicholas Black Elk being able to overcome that, see through that, to the truth of the gospel, and, uh, and then taking that, living it in a heroic way, and influencing and inspiring others. And so to me it was, um, it, it was it, to me it inspired hope. It was a very powerful story. Um, and it showed that no matter what occurs in our life, you know, the gospel is always the answer. And that even Native Americans experience that holds true. And I saw that played out very vividly there with Nicholas Black Elk and his life and his legacy. And so I think we hope that our film could play a small role in continuing to grow devotion to Nicholas Black Elk, because I think it'd be wonderful to have another Native American saint. Of course, we already have St. Kateri take us with us, who we also speak about in the film as well. And and, um, and one of the initiatives of the Knights of Columbus is we're starting a St. Kateri uh, rosary walk and pilgrimage site in New, Me- in New Mexico, and that's, um, that's under construction, new shrine to St. Kateri. Um, and so that's another way the Knights of Columbus is trying to support this effort of reconciliation, 
of build bridge, of building bridges and of creating deeper understanding of Native American spirituality. So um, there are many stories that struck me. Certainly Nicholas Black Elk uh, was one that, um, you know, that really had a big impact. And I think, I think also learning a lot more about St. Unipero Serra and the mission to the Native Americans in California, just because it was so timely. At the same time I was writing the script and getting deep into this production, you see all on the news every night the statues being torn down, the violent mob. Um, and, and then the really wonderful response of Catholics in that region, gathering to pray the rosary around the statue, and, um, and and not knowing all the history, but having the opportunity because of this film to delve into it and starting to learn. Wow, you know, you know as I said earlier, I think Nebrosero is actually defending the natives that he's you know promoting and defending their cause up to the government, putting his life on the line for them, and that the, a lot of this is just outright lies, and so. You know, I think our film has a two-pronged approach, right? On one hand, there's admitting injustices, admitting wrongs, and, uh, and highlighting the need for reconciliation. But on the other hand, you know, an ardent defense of, of the faith, an ardent defense of, of the cause of evangelization, that we don't have to hide our heads in shame that, you know, we bring the message of Jesus Christ. And, and certainly the case of Nicholas Blackhawk, and certainly the case of so many other witnesses that we interviewed in our film, that's been the transformative difference in their lives. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's captivating. As you said, there's kind of this two-prong approach, and I actually saw one is education, but the other is obviously uh, reconciliation, and it sounds as if uh, the film and the documentary helps uh, really honestly kind of fess up, uh, like kind of look at the realities of of injustices that have happened um, and bringing also, once again, that education to um, to everybody, to everybody who sees it in regards to these are things that happened and uh, being able to to start with the conversation of what has happened or otherwise we just turn a blind eye to what's happened and reconciliation is never a possibility. So I think this is going to be an amazing gateway to bring about reconciliation hopefully between um, – all the all the people within our within our area within the the Native American population and also the uh, the Anglo population. Uh, as you're going through, uh, what are some of the impacts that you've seen? Uh, what are the beautiful stories that you've seen of the impact of Native American Catholics even today? Besides just Nicholas Blackout, but just the the growing of the faith within the Native American people and how it's kind of um, really changing the the landscape, shall we say? Well, one, one aspect that I, I mean, there's many things that get you to speak to that point. I think one thing that I, I found powerful was uh, last year, before the COVID pandemic hit, we escorted um, and brought to Washington, D.C., the Knights of Columbus, a large entourage of Native American Catholics for the March for Life. And um, it was very powerful to see this um, because up until a certain point, they were very much like the unborn. They were not considered U.S. citizens. They were not considered people under U.S. law. Up until, I think, in the 1920s, there was legislation that enfranchised them and, and had them seen you know, as, as human beings with full rights. Um, so they had a very unique perspective on, on uh, the sanctity of life issues. And so on a topic like abortion like, and, and, and being present in the debate over uh, the pro-life cause, the Native Americans have a, a credibility and, an, and a background that many of us can't share. Um, and so learning that and seeing their witness and, and seeing them march there speak to um, their defense of the unborn as a link to their, to their own personal defense as Native Americans who are seen as not worthy of life or seen as not deserving the full breadth of uh, respect 
in the same way the unborn is treated. That's just one example, I think, of how we can learn from our Native American brothers and sisters. And there's others, too, like one of the different aspects of their Native American spirituality. And um, I think they have a tradition of really looking the forward three, four generations and back three, four generations. So when they take an ask, they're thinking, what would my ancestors think of this? How would this be seen by all my ancestors? And when I take this act, when I make this decision, how would this, will this impact my great-grandkids, my great-grandkids? So there's a tremendous um, appreciation for legacy, for history, for their culture, for their identity, that I think sometimes in, in our busy American lives, we kind of lost a little bit. You know, and so that's something else I think I took away from this where I can learn from the Native American experience because my own background, Italian American, I think that's very much in my family genealogy. But the American experience is this, you know, where lives are very intense, we're very busy, you're on the here and now, and sometimes we lose a little bit that that understanding of uh, of the past and where you really come from and um, and reflecting on, on the impact of the future. And it's a, it's a great way to kind of meditate and think about, you know, your actions. And so... There's a couple insights I took from the Native American experience, and we. But I think the, my basic point, I guess, what I take away from working on this film is we have a lot to learn from them, and a lot in a lot of ways we can grow from them. And I think that's been happening for four or five hundred years already, and uh, hopefully this film can inspire it to happen even more in the future. Oh, that's really great. Well, we only have about a minute left. Can you tell our listeners where they can see this film, where it's available? Yeah, so right now the film is airing on ABC networks across the country. Um, information on broadcast times can be found at our website, kofc.org forward slash Enduring Faith. Um, it's a partnership with the Interfaith Broadcasting Commission to air on ABC affiliates. It's coming to the end. Um, in a couple weeks it'll be wrapped. And then after that, um, at the link I mentioned, kfc.org forward slash Enduring Faith, we will have the film available for streaming. And eventually, soon at the website, you'll see a link if you want to purchase the DVD as well. Oh, that is very exciting because, you know, here in Rapid City, it was on at 5 in the morning. And, I mean, as much as I love our Native American <laughs> brethren and as much as I've enjoyed your other documentaries, I'm not getting up at 5. <laughs> I can't fault you for that. Yeah, unfortunately, don't get always the best podcast on. But, but, uh, but yeah, we'll, 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 for anybody who misses it, um, we'll, we'll sure have it available for streaming at that website in the very near future. All right. Well, thank you so much, David, for being with us here today. We appreciate your time this morning and your um, work on this documentary, Enduring Faith. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, stay with us here on Real Presence Live. We will be right back after this break. Mm -hmm. 